Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I am your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to be continuing our conversation about business development, which is a topic that we have been discussing repeatedly over the past couple of years. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming to the show Steve Fretzen, who is a business development expert and who will share his invaluable insights with us. And he will tell us about his no sales selling technique, which enables him to help his clients to be that lawyer. Steve is the president of Fretzen Inc., a legal business development and marketing company founded in 2004. He was driven into the legal industry during the recession of 2008 when attorneys began calling him for help. While not an attorney himself, Steve has worked with thousands of attorneys in many practice areas. Steve is 100% committed to his client's success and works diligently each day to ensure that they are achieving their goals of financial and personal freedom. In addition to publishing Sales Free Selling and the Attorney's Networking Handbook, Steve has been featured in Cranes, the Chicago Tribune, WGN Radio, NBC News, and is a regular monthly columnist for the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin. Steve's most recent book is called The Ambitious Attorney, Your Guide to Doubling or Even Tripling Your Book of Business. It is my pleasure to welcome Steve Fretzen to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So Steve, why don't we start our conversation today by giving our listeners just a little bit of background about what you've done professionally since you started working and how you ended up doing what you do today in terms of business development and lawyers? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make this as, as short as possible, but giving you the high points of, of kind of what led me to this. In 1996, I was involved in a small airplane crash in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I knew this about you. That's a, yeah, not everybody does. I've written about it a few times in articles and in my book, but um, it really was a key kind of you know, changing moment in my life. And as you can imagine, seeing my life flash before my eyes as we go from 5,000 feet down to the ground and, and we crash landed in a house in Crystal Lake. So they pulled me out of the wreckage, basically a human pretzel. And while I survived, it was one of these scenarios where I really couldn't take care of myself. I broke, my arms were broken. I was in a wheelchair. And it's unfortunate that it took a life-changing event like that for me to start to really sort of appreciate how valuable life is and how, you know, brief it can be if we don't really, you know, take advantage of, you know, the opportunities that we have, you know, breathing every day. So that was sort of a moment for me where I realized I needed to, to start controlling my destiny and start making every day count. And I had been in basically sales roles prior to that accident. And then after that accident, I continued to sort of evolve my sales career, really looking to improve and and, and learn and educate myself to be the best possible professional I could be. And that led me to meet a coach who, you know, transformed my life, essentially, you know, helping me learn things and improve on my own sales. And, and that was a critical pivot point, like the plane crash, in the sense that 
if I had never met that coach, I think I'd still be doing some, you know, high level, but random sales job instead of what I ended up doing, which is starting my own sales training and coaching business back in 19, or I'm sorry, in, um, in 2004. And I'll wrap it up by saying that in 2004, my goal was to work with, with entrepreneurs and sales teams to help them to, you know, to be the best they could be. And I had studied many different sales coaches and philosophies and things like that. And I really had a great platform to work off of that I had, you know, you, you steal and you borrow and you take everything that works from different platforms. And that's how you create a training system or a platform that you can then use. And I'm not a lawyer and I never thought I would work with lawyers. So the next question is, how did I get into changing my business from working with entrepreneurs and sales teams to working with lawyers? That happened in 2008 when the recession happened. The entrepreneurs and salespeople that I'd been working with that were having some great successes in, in engaging with me started getting asked by lawyer friends of theirs who are now out of work or their hours had been cut or they saw the writing on the wall uh, especially in real estate, that things were getting challenging. Uh, how did you build your business or how did you become so successful or whatever, you know, that was, was being spoken about? They mentioned my name and I started getting inundated with calls from lawyers. And I started working with lawyers probably around uh, 2008, 2009. And then it just took over. It took over everything, Tina. And, and the next thing I know, it's about 80% of my business and I had been teaching them how to specialize and how to focus on their, you know, expertise and areas. And then I said, you know, maybe I need to take my own advice and, and start specializing in the legal space. And there's a number of reasons for that, but it's really been amazing, um, you know, coming from really nothing and building myself up to, to where I am today, which is, you know, having a blast just working with lawyers, helping them grow their books of business. Well, you know, there's so much that I want to ask you, just based on the, you know, three minutes that you just provided your background, and I know I'll have you on the on the show in the future, so we could probably delve through a lot of that. You know, I just want our listeners to know you and I have known each other for a number of years, and, you know, that life-changing event you had with the plane crash, I just want our listeners to know that you are such a bright star, and you have such a zest for life, and you accomplish more in the span of a day than most people I know accomplish in a week. So, you know, thank you so much for sharing, sharing that story. One question I've got for you, because you mentioned that that was a, a pivotal moment, as well as your encountering with and working with that coach. How did you find that coach? And the reason why I'm asking is because that is another topic that we have covered and will continue to cover on Paradigm Shift. And I'm just curious how you came across the coach that you worked with and who really made a huge impact on you. It's a, it's, it's a great question and kind of a, a great story. Again, trying to keep it brief, sort of the top, top echelon of where I got my career in sales was working in the franchise industry, representing an international franchisor selling businesses. And my territory as the regional vice president was working uh, in the Midwest. And when I parted ways with that, with that organization, I started working with another organization. And the president of this company said, if you're going to work with me, Steve, you know, it'd be, it'd be really great if you could also work with my sales coach. And I said, well, why would I do that? Now, I, I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what is that? And he goes, well, there's a gentleman I worked with who's been training me on sales. And I essentially have 
tripled the amount of sales that I, you know, from what I used to make. And I go tripled. So he's doing, let's say 35 or 40 franchises a year that this guy is selling. And the most I had ever done in my career is maybe like 10 or 12. And this guy's selling over 30. And I just couldn't believe it. And he said, just meet my coach. You don't have to make any decisions, but I'd like you to talk with him. Now, I'm a Jewish guy from the North Shore of Chicago. This guy's a former Baptist minister from Louisville, Kentucky. Wow. We we absolutely hit it off. And and it's because even though we come from very different backgrounds, we, we both were ambitious and we both were sort of built the same way, sort of behaviorally. We're, we're both, you know, very dominant, influencing type people. And he said, look, if you work with me, I can pretty much guarantee you I'm going to double, you know, the number of franchises that you've sold in a single year. And so I'm I'm thinking if I can go from 10 or 12 to 2025, well, I'm going to make more money than I've ever seen. And sure enough, within six months of working with this guy, I had sold more businesses than I ever had in my career. And I just decided at that moment that I was going to stop selling businesses and that I was going to ask this gentleman to mentor me and help me start my own business doing sales coaching like he was doing for me. I wanted to to take all the, you know, all the good feelings that I had about about in the learning that I had had from this gentleman and I wanted to create my own system, my own unique, you know, program. However, he gave me the outline and the guideline for how to do it and it was just an absolute turning point for me. What a great story and clearly an inspirational one and you know, you inspire a lot of people, including me, and it's just such a great example of paying it forward. Yeah, and it was, it was. I just, uh, you know, these moments in our lives that we don't realize pivot, and 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 we don't know when they're going to happen, who you're going to meet, or 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 what event you're going to attend, and, and and pick up an idea that could that could change everything. I mean, uh, you know, you and I are talking about podcasting and. I've been considering starting a podcast and then you mentioned, you know, who helped you get started and now I'm in a conversation and that could end up blowing my business up to an even greater level. And how did that happen? Well, it was you and I having a chat. So all of these types of things, you got to keep your radars up because the next best thing could be, you know, right in front of you. You just have to, you just have to be ready for it. Right. Well, cool. So let's talk about how you influence people and work with people in the law I'm one of those people. I met you a number of years ago through a mutual friend, and we've been um, great partners in various types of activities. Why don't we talk about just generally business development in the law, how it's evolved over the years, and why you think it tends to be a bit more of a challenge for lawyers maybe than other types of folks who have to sell products or services? Sure, sure. And I, I can start off with giving some, and I'm not a historian in the subject of, of, of business development or marketing and law, but if you, if you know, I'll give you a story. My father is a retired attorney. I practiced for you know, 35 or 40 years, maybe, 50, yeah, yeah, maybe 45 or 50 years, actually, now that I'm, I'm putting the numbers together. He's just turning 85 this month. And he, he recalled a story he told me about, he was you know, in a shared office with a number of other attorneys one of his partners, not you know, sort of like a soft partner, but died at his desk. And wow. Yeah, crazy, right? And and my father and his and his shared office mates put an ad in the Daily Law Bullet to not an ad, but put a like a credit card sized 
thing, just saying, you know, you know, we, we love this man, you know, this is, uh, a, we want to dedicate, we're taking a half a day dedicating this to our fallen, you know, brother in, in, in the law. And uh, somebody kind of ratted them out and they got, you know, written up by the ARDC. You know, so, so back in the 70s, right? I mean, in the, you know, this is, this is what things were like. And, you know, just advertising and, and selling and all these concepts, marketing, they just weren't, they weren't done and they weren't really allowed. And also there wasn't as much competition and as much, you know, there was no internet and things like that. So it, it wasn't maybe as necessary, right? Today, it's such a different deal. I mean, I do business development and marketing and branding CLEs all the time. Well, that wasn't, when I first started my business and started working with lawyers, that wasn't being accepted. And now every single one that I put through gets accepted because this is an important part of learning the law and learning how to run a law practice is business development and marketing. So things have changed. There's, a, there's been some, some developments where business development has come to the forefront. And unfortunately, one of my clients, Neil Dishman, said to me early on, the reason he felt that lawyers are so adverse to business development is because when they go through law school, and I don't know if this is still the same way as it was when he went through it, you know, years ago, but that you're just as a lawyer, you're put up on a bit of a pedestal. I mean, it's the law, it's the most sacred thing. And maybe you could talk to that, you know, Tina about it, but, but that, that, you know, business development and marketing is sort of kind of like beneath the, right. you know, the law and it's beneath a lawyer. I, I, I agree with that. I think that you're spot on. And I've watched it over my 25-year career. I've lived through and seen three recessions now with a fourth sort of up in the air in terms of who you talk to, the timing, as well as how bad it might be looming, you know, in the what some say is the not-too-distant future. And I, I think part of it is, and I, I think that this does make a meaningful difference, is the fact that lawyers like doctors have licenses to practice. And I think that people feel that that separates our profession in a meaningful way, even from other professional service organizations where people might be offering their, their, their services. And so, and also the sense, as you mentioned, that you didn't used to have to advertise, whether it was word of mouth, general reputation, being on the other side of a deal, being part of a firm that's very prestigious. There was the sense that work just sort of kept falling from the sky, falling from the trees because of, of the nature of what we did. And as technology has evolved, as clients have gotten more sophisticated, in-house legal departments are, are becoming much heftier and have capabilities that far exceed what they've historically had. There are all these things, there's a confluence of things that have happened over time such that what lawyers need to do in order to keep a pipeline of work is very different than what they had to do in the past, which is essentially very little. Right, right. So, so the, the marketplace is changing. Now, granted, things right now seem to be, you know, really, really good. I mean, there's not a lot of attorneys that are, you know, hungry for jobs. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of money being, you know, spent out there, legal spend. Everyone thought there was going to be a, a crunch on, on on the price wars, and that that sort of has kind of blown over because there's just so much money out there right now and deals being done. But as you mentioned, you know, when is the next you know shoe going to fall? And 
we'll see what happens. But it's it's amazing to me because I got into this business, as I mentioned, when the recession happened, and I almost feel like everyone's forgotten. And it's 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 really sad because I know that if things happen or things come around, that I'm going to get inundated with calls again, and I'm not going to have the bandwidth to help everybody. So the best thing to do is when the, when the time is good, like it is today, you know, this is when attorneys need to start being strategic and start thinking about, you know, building their pipeline in their book and, and making sure that they've got some type of sustainability before things get ugly, as opposed to waiting until they get ugly and then their hours get cut and deals start dropping. And now they're, now they're in a whole other world because, you know, I, I, I meet, I work with a lot of attorneys and I meet a lot of attorneys and I'm always trying to help them find jobs or find a better platform, law firm to work with, et cetera. And it's always the same question. I send out a resume and they go, this is great. This guy looks terrific on paper. What's his book size? What's her book size? It's, it's inevitable that that's what, what law firms are looking for in addition to an excellent you know, pedigree or an excellent you know, valuable attorney. And I feel bad when I say no book or I say very small and they go, oh, sorry. Okay. Recruiters have the same issue. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to place people that are sort of unplaceable. So this is where things are, are headed. And that's one of the reasons I'm in this business. And I feel like you don't have to feel that you're not being noble by learning business development and, and going out there and drumming up business. It's sort of mandatory at this point if you want to be sustainable in a firm or on your own. If you're really looking for, for job security, it's probably the most important thing you can do right now. I mean, winning trials isn't enough. So in your experience of working with lawyers in this space and trying to help them develop their own book and to be self-sustaining and to also, you know, needing, having a pipeline such that they need help from others and need to build teams. In your experience, what have you found are the skills that lawyers are generally lacking? What stops them from being successful in doing those activities and how do you as a business development consultant and coach and consigliere, how do you help lawyers address these deficiencies? Well, let me, let me give you kind of a, a cute story. So I'm not an attorney, as I mentioned, but I've worked in law now a long time and I have a pretty good flavor for it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to decide to walk into a courtroom and I'm going to handle a murder trial. All right. Now I've seen you know, law and order a few times. And I know, you know, my cousin Vinny pretty well. And, he's, he's, and right, like I've seen enough, enough on TV to know how to, you know, address the judge or how to handle a jury. I mean, it's going to be an absolute disaster in every way, shape or form. I mean, there's just no way that I'm going to, you know, make it through that trial, let alone, you know, I'll probably get, you know, held in contempt and get put in jail. So, you know, why, why should attorneys, have any type of confidence that they can go out and drum up business when they've never learned business development. I never went to law school. Why would I think I can walk into a courtroom and handle that in any kind of effective way? It's just not a realistic expectation. So attorneys are, are, are being told by their leadership, you know, go out and get business, you know, get out there, join a group, you know, drum up the business, go figure it out. And it's absolutely brutal because they're balancing then the time that it takes to figure it out on their own and the billable hour and the time with family, which definitely plays a role. Everyone's looking for balance today. So what attorneys are missing is they're missing the skills that are, that are teachable. 
Now, are there people that are better suited for rainmaking or business development than others? Absolutely. There's no one that's going to argue that point. However, it is a learned skill. And there are highly introverted, uncomfortable attorneys that I work with every day that are absolutely loving the fact that they're getting a process and they're getting language from me. They're getting a system for how to do business development that allows them to follow it and get results. And same thing with the, with the Rainmakers. They're, they're typically very good at the gift of gab, but they're all over the place. Their organization, their time management, they may be going on you know, five or 10 networking coffees a week or a month and having very little success, but they feel like they're successful because they're out there. And that's what I'm doing with attorneys is helping them plan and develop and, and, and work through processes and doing it in a structured program versus, you know, read, I've got three books, right? I've written, and I think they're all great and I get a lot of great feedback. But the reality is, if I read a book on, on how to be a great golfer, you know, I'm going to pick up some great tips and it might help my score a little bit, but I'm not going to be on the PGA Tour, right? And so if your life is on the line from a standpoint of financially, from a standpoint of time, having a sustainable book through your career, it would make sense to make an investment of time, money, energy in, you know, studying business development and making it a part of your, how you're going to, you know, run your business. And so I'm working with, with attorneys on what I call the three P's, which is planning, process, and then performance improvement. And so again, the plan is how are you going to spend your time? It's the GPS system that, that instead of tossing them a compass and say, go north, I'm actually helping them write a plan that says, here's what you're going to do every day. Here's what you're going to say. Here's what you're going to ask. Here's where you're going to go. Who's, here's who you're looking to meet and why. And it's, you know, everything from, from beginning to end as far as, you know, planning process and follow through. Working with them on processes, teaching them networking, teaching them time management, teaching them how to walk a buyer through a buying decision. You know, there's a lot of people going out on what are called pitch meetings. All lawyers love to talk about pitch meetings. Yes. <laughs> and, and you've been on, you've been on, you know, pitch meetings. And I think you and I agree that these pitch meetings are essentially a dog and pony and if they're not conducted in a more effective or efficient way, if there isn't a process around how those meetings are run, it ends up being this, this time suck of, I just spent 20 hours preparing for this meeting. We just flew down to, to New Orleans and, and did a pitch. And now we're, we're sitting waiting by the phone for them to call us to see if we're going to make it against these other three law firms that they interviewed. Well, that's horrible. That's a tremendous amount of time. And, and, and that could be cut way back with a good process. But what is that process? Well, that's what I teach. And that's what lawyers typically are not taught and certainly not in law school. And rarely at the, at the business firm level, are they, are they learning, you know, step-by-step -step processes? The business development group will help them get together the pitch materials. They'll help them get together all these, you know, the people, you know, maybe you could address that further, but I'm, I'm not seeing any kind of really structured process as it relates to those things. You know, that's really interesting. I mean, there's so many directions and so many things I want to say in response to all the things that you just laid out, which are all critically important, you know, with respect to just to address your immediate question regarding process and the dog and pony shows, you know, what's interesting is that I've been doing this for a while and at least with respect to the clients and potential clients that I know and have the privilege to work with, it seems like there are fewer 
instances where it's a true dog and pony show, because I think everybody realizes whether you're on the buyer side or the seller side, that those types of activities do take a lot of resources on both sides. And at the end of the day, you may be better off trying to look for other ways to explore working with or potentially hitting reboot on your current service providers, for example, if you're in-house. And so my observation is that I have a whole panoply of clients. I've got some that are incredibly sophisticated, who have very sophisticated in-house legal departments, as well as procurement processes that they leverage into making their buying decisions. And then I have some where there is no in-house law department and where at the end of the day, the buying decisions are being made by the C-suite and they really go by experience and what they think the value is that they're getting from their outside counsel. But I, I, I do think that there are a number of different things that they're common threads, so to speak, one of which is professional excellence, being very good at what you do. Number two, delivering a tremendous amount of value, however the client decides and determines how they define value. And number three, really having a a strong relationship with that client or that potential client. And I don't know if you want to speak to that, but I mean, I think that those are three really important things that underlie buying decisions of all kinds, regardless of how sophisticated or unsophisticated the in-house law department, whoever may be making the purchasing decisions are on, on the part of the client. I think I would imagine that you talk to your clients about the importance of developing strong relationships, but also needing to be able to understand the value of trying to cross-sell existing clients into additional relationships beyond just what you're currently servicing them in, and also being able to make realistic decisions because we only have 24 hours in a day. And at the end of the day, you know, if you find that a relationship is not really yielding the type of business development activity that you'd like, needing to sort of be realistic about it and figure out where you go from here. So I don't know if you want to touch on any of those issues, but I did want to respond to your immediate point. Yeah. And, and, and so at the end of the day, every attorney is in a different place in their career, in their level of expertise, in their practice area, et cetera. And when I go in and meet with an attorney or meet with a law firm, my number one job is to try to evaluate where their gaps are and where the opportunity is. If somebody's doing everything right, planning, process, perform, everything is going in, you know, I may not be, you know, able to help. I mean, there's a point where, where, you know, somebody's doing everything right, well, then I'm out. The reality is, though, I am seeing a tremendous amount of, of gaps as it relates to how firms are cross-marketing or not cross-marketing. It's almost like if there's a table in the middle of a room and it has millions and millions of dollars stacked on top of it and everyone is walking around this money and no one's like putting their hand in and grabbing it. That's how I feel about cross-marketing. It's just, it's, it's either siloed out. Everybody's in a silo. They've gotten burned because a, a, you know, a partner didn't handle something well and they're just distrustful or they don't want to share clients. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there's some there's some issues there with with the you know with with the firm that or they're just they just don't have the expertise or knowledge about how to go about cross marketing 
with their own clients to, to bring in more business. And so my job is to sort of evaluate all that and, and just low hanging fruit in general to try to understand, you know, where the, where the money is and the lowest amount of effort to get the best sort of result or, or growth. So I'll give you a quick example. I work with an, uh, an IP attorney named John. And when I initially met him, he, and he's been doing this for 20 years. And, I'm, and he's running around everywhere networking. He's networking here and there. He's attending these coffees. He's having drinks. He's, he's just doing everything he can do to try to drum up business. And I, I asked him in our meeting, you know, how's that going? And he says, well, it's a lot, of, a lot of effort and not a lot of results, but I feel like I'm doing a good job of putting myself out there. And I said, John, how many clients do you have? And he's like, I don't know, 200, 300 clients. I said, are you getting any business from them? He goes, yeah, occasionally they call me up with something. And it just, it just was like a, you know, like a, a, a bullet to the head, just like, so you're spending, I mean, let's do the math, right? <laughs> Look at the math on the hours that you're spending attending networking events, attending coffees, following up, following through. It's, it's, it's a huge, you know, 20 hours a week on top of his current billable hours every week. You know, that's, you start doing the math on that. It's insane. And so I had to say, look, if we're going to work together, I'm basically putting, you know, putting the, the kibosh on your whole networking scheme, because while it's good to get out there and get your name out there, you have 200 to 300 clients that think you're terrific, that know you're an expert, that, that trust you, you know, with, with their, you know, with their businesses, and you're not leveraging them for cross-marketing, you're not leveraging them for quality introductions to other business owners. I go, that's all you need to do. You go on one meeting a week or two meetings a week instead of all this, all these hours with these people and you're going to get more business than you can handle. So it's, it's really a lot about evaluating everyone's current situation to try to, try to identify where the, you know, where the opportunities are and then, and then to plan around that. And that's, that's just, it's, it's not brain surgery, but it's something that in some many cases, attorneys are too close to it. And they're just not thinking about it or they just, again, they don't have this. They say, that's great, Steve. I should focus on my existing clients. How do I do that? I'm not comfortable doing that. And again, that's where, you know, training and coaching comes into play. So we're nearing the end of our first uh, segment of time together. And I can't wait for us to continue our conversation in the next segment. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners before we conclude and where can they find you? Well, I think just kind of, you know, wrapping up this, this segment, it's, it's, it's really about having a positive attitude about business development. And I'll just, I'll put it to you this way. If I had any type of angst about selling my services, that's on me because the reality is if I'm good at what I do and I get results for people, then really everyone should work with me or want to work with me. All right. That's, that's interested or that is motivated or ambitious. Okay. As an attorney, you need to feel the same way. If you're very good at what you do and you're not out, you know, really selling your services or at least putting yourself out there to, to take in more business, then again, there's more people that are working with attorneys that maybe aren't as sophisticated or aren't in a place to really help their clients the way you are. So it's a lot like if I, if I had a sick uncle who had a brain tumor and I knew this great brain surgeon and, you know, what, am I not going to make that reference? Of course I am. I want to save my uncle's life. So we really have to get our mindset in, in the right place about business development and look at it as as, as noble of, of a cause as, as being a lawyer. And I think that would be a great, 
you know, kind of a great attitude to have if you, if you feel that you, you do well for people, you help people. As far as my information, uh, my website is fretzin.com. It's F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. I'm all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me by name, Steve Fretzen. Uh, my email is steve at fretzen.com if you're interested in reaching out to ask me some questions or to, to talk about a meeting. I work you know, nationally, internationally, so there's no, you know, there's no issue with, with taking calls from anywhere. Steve, it's been so great to have this time with you and to just get your thoughts and advice on such a critically important part of a lawyer's existence. And frankly, there are many, there are many professionals that can benefit from your tutelage. And so really looking forward to our next segment together. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. I hope that you've enjoyed the first part of our discussion about business development with Steve Fretzen. I'm your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.